0: welcome to this week's episode of soccer neophytes podcast we're going to talk touchline dustups headbutts and all manager royal rumble and answer the question is man united the new everton Gentlemen, what's up, guys? Yo,
1: what's going on, fellas?
0: How we doing, Nate? Doing great. I am very excited to talk about this 20-manager Royal Rumble that Chris has prepared for us. But before we jump into that, we are going to hear from Andrew. He watched Chelsea Spurs this weekend with a special focus on Spurs. Andy, that was a, that was a great match to watch.
2: Is it often that we decide to like highlight a specific game? I mean, there's 10 games matches, sorry, still the new guy. There's 10 matches every weekend. Is it often that uh, we highlight the best damn match of the, of the weekend and it's not even close. We lucked into that one, fellas. That was a good one. Yeah, that was, that was by far the best match I watched all weekend. Um, and I have so many thoughts. Should we start with the obvious? Yeah. Last week, super high on Tottenham. Uh, this week, it's come down slightly. And initially, I was like, wow, they were so much worse than they were the week before. But as I've analyzed it, I have decided that I'm still high on Tottenham. Love it. And the reason the reason I'm still high on Tottenham is uh, they, they introduced some new starters. They changed their uh, – they changed their – set slightly you know how you can look at the stupid diagrams on yahoo sports or espn and see how the starting things are they switched it up a bit they didn't have the same starting lineup they decided to um uh in week one the premier league announcers they specifically talked about how they didn't start anybody new who wasn't on the club last week or last year right this week they introduced a couple of new guys sorry my dogs are whining at a light on my um anyway Uh, So they decided to switch it up. They started a couple new guys. They switched their formation, and it was very apparent in the first half. They did not look as aggressive. They were playing, watching what Chelsea did. They looked more hesitant as opposed to last week when they were really pushing it. Second half, they got a little bit more feisty. They got a little bit more aggressive. sure they gave up the goal to start with, but then they came back. Were there a lot of bad calls? Yes, we'll defend those in a second, but still high on Tottenham. Still high on Tottenham. Tottenham knows what they're doing. They're aggressive. They're fun. They're still leading whatever. I do want to say this about Chelsea, though. Remember last week how I said Chelsea was not going to be my team? Chelsea's got a lot more fun and fight in fighting them than I thought they were going to have. Chelsea is not just defensive. They are mean. Those guys like to push and fight, and they and Tottenham, I, I don't know if you guys knew this. I mean, I might be new to soccer here, but uh, Tottenham and Chelsea do not care for each other. Is this news? Is this news? Am I making a big announcement that nobody's ever heard of before? I feel like I am. Attention world, Chelsea, Tottenham, not fans. And then after the game, when I saw everybody yelling at each other, I did a, a, a read up on the map on the rivalry between Tottenham and Chelsea. There was a 10 year period. They were the, um, remember in season one of Ted Lasso when, uh, Richmond goes to Everton and they're like, why is everybody so depressing? It's because, you know, depressed, it's because we haven't won against Everton in 10 years. There was a 10-year period when Tottenham not only didn't draw, they lost to Chelsea for 10 years in a row. They didn't win against Chelsea for 16 years, and they were fighting. Oh, boy, it was like feisty the whole game. It got hot in the second half, especially when uh, Tottenham evened up the, the score on... I didn't think he was offsides, but I know they thought he might have been offsides. And also the foul against Havich. Yeah, sure. Um, Nate, last week on the podcast, you talked about how you you sarcastically talked about how um, people don't think soccer is a physical sport. That yeah. was the most physical match I've seen in quite a long time. They and, were fighting. They were pulling hair. They were shouting. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. I'm no. still I'm still pumped up about this match. It was so
0: good. It was a great match. And I think it's important to know that there has been some instruction for the referees this year to to allow them to play a little more. So if you watch Liverpool um Crystal Palace today, there was a lot especially of especially at the end. Especially at the end. But and I I think you kind of I think there's some ebb and flow within within soccer, right? Where that's the way soccer was early on, and it was a lot more rough. And then over, you know, the last, since we've been watching, they would call a lot of fouls and it really disrupt the flow of the game. And so they've tried to keep the game moving. And so this year, particularly and last year, a little bit too, I think last year was the first year since we've been watching that they, uh, instructed the referees to be more lenient. And so, And now it seems like even another step, which we'll see how that plays out, but it absolutely makes for a lot more enjoyable soccer on multiple, for multiple reasons. One, because it's just fun to see like bodies banging out there and it's also like, doesn't disrupt the flow of the game. So there's a lot more, like the game's faster. There's more happening.
2: It's, it's clearly more exciting. So let's talk about the shitty non calls real quick in the Chelsea Tottenham match. Because what is his name? Is it Arthur Taylor? Is that his name? The uh, referee, umpire? What do they call them?
0: They're called referees. And I'm not sure who the referee was for this match. It's the young guy. Was it the it's young guy? The guy,
2: guy who um, everyone in Chelsea hates. And immediately when I saw, okay, so apparently there was a petition on whatever the petition site is change.org. <laughs> yes. Uh, that got a hundred thousand Taylor, Anthony, Anthony, Taylor. Taylor, not Arthur Taylor, Anth- Arthur Taylor, Arthur Miller wrote death of a salesman. Anthony yes. Taylor is the referee. Uh, uh, Anthony Taylor. Um, there was a petition. I think it's up to a hundred thousand, uh, signatures, uh, that he should never, uh, uh, ref a Chelsea match again. Everybody in Chelsea hates him. The coach was it Toycle Is that his name? Tuchel. Tuchel. Um, he, he agreed with them. He was so frustrated in the in the post-game press conference that he said, listen, it's not just the fans. It's everyone in this locker room, including myself. I don't think he should ever ref a Chelsea match again. And I was reading the history of it. Apparently, there's like five matches that he screwed up bad. And let me get this straight. There were two bad calls. The Havich call was bad. The one where um, Romero, who fought Havich, he, they were Taver. shoving each other like, 10 minutes havertz 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 h-a-v-e-r-t-z you're right Uh, havertz they were pushing each other they were shoving each other to the ground havertz was pulled um right before harry kane scored the tying goal or the equalizer as is the term
1: the more you
2: wait hold on um gi joe and knowing is half the battle knowing is half the battle the more you know um I have a funny story about that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, a minute, be- like less than a minute before Harry Kane scored the final goal, uh, Cucurella is Cucurello,
0: Cucurella or Cucurea? Maybe I don't know if it's double L. Like science. I'm not
2: sure. Anyway, Romero pulled his hair and threw him to the ground. Ultimately, it was a no call. The play affected nothing in the game, but they were mad that it wasn't called. And I get it. I get it. I'd be mad too. Um, but it ultimately didn't affect that particular play. It was just he didn't see it supposedly. Still bad non-call. I agree. I agree, Chelsea. I'm agreeing with you because you're still on my list of teams that I might root for, and I don't want to piss off your fans later, but it didn't affect the game. I'm just saying it. It didn't affect it. The non-call, the ball went out of bounds, Tottenham retained um, possession, etc. cetera. Next play Harry Kane scores, etc. So it does, I get it, but he missed it. I get it. It was a bad call. It was a non-call. It was a bad non-call. I agree. The fight afterwards.
0: This is why I told you before we get to the fight, I texted you. I don't know when it was. I think they were down one nil. I texted you and I said, this is why we take a whole season to choose a, choose a club. For most reasons, right? Like for probably how you felt at that moment towards Spurs, And then also like how you feel about Chelsea. I I really think, yes, it takes longer. Yes, it's a much like more belaboring process. Do you want to be cheering for teams as the season goes on? Of course, but you already find yourself doing it naturally. And that's why I think this process in the long run, you will find yourself, whichever team you choose, your, your heart for them will be far stronger than if you just picked a random team.
2: So I kind of agree with you. I absolutely agree with you and I think I'm agreeing with you so far, but right now, like I kind of like Chelsea. I never thought I would ever say I like Chelsea, but, but I really like point. the fight that they brought to the game. I really like but, the fight they brought. That's my and point the thing that you were
0: you had written them off last week. So if you I know. so this is the whole point. By the time the season goes on, Chelsea's gonna do something else to piss you off. Tottenham's gonna blow a match they should have won. Wolves are going to play great, and you're going to be like, ooh, that seems kind of fun to watch.
2: Brighton's going to be lame. Like, talking about gonna... Brighton. I don't want to talk about We'll get to Brighton when we get to Brighton. Leave Brighton in the corner. I just want to say this, though. Um, the idea that in maybe 10 weeks, I might look back and, equivoc- and like listen to myself equivocating about whether or not I like Chelsea or Tottenham feels like if someone was just now getting into baseball and they're like, wow, I kind of like both these Red Sox and these Yankees. You know what I mean? Like Definitely. one's really tough and the other one's got tradition. I feel like a phony right now because, again, I don't know anything about these guys. And I'm enjoying watching the fight. But looking back in the future, I feel like I'm doing, like, fifth dimensional stuff right now. Like I'm overanalyzing it. I don't. Are. I know I am. That's kind of how my brain works. I feel like... I don't want to be like a Tottenham fan in the future being like, man, I remember when I didn't hate Chelsea when in the future, I absolutely have to hate Chelsea. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, but it's
0: awesome because there are teams that we, that Chris and I both like had deep affection for that now I hate and it's awesome.
2: Quick. I want to hear it. Name two. Watford. I don't even know who that is. They're not even in the premier league anymore. They're in the champion league, right? They are championship. Yeah, sorry. Championship League because Champion League is a tournament or whatever. At the end, got it. Yeah, we'll get there. During. We'll get there. But.
0: And Manchester City. I watched the All or Nothing at the beginning of my season, and I was like, dude, Manchester City is really shut up.
2: Bad. Because hold up, I need to interrupt you because Man City is going to be the team I focus on one week. And right now, again, not a front runner. I just want to clarify, not of. I'm people who are listening on this podcast can't see me pointing at myself not a front runner i love watching man city they're so good they are so so good they are good at everything are they smug dicks about it yes because they're good why wouldn't they be smug dicks about it they are so good they are so talented i've watched every man city piece of footage i could watch they are so good they're gonna they're First place. Sorry. Remember last week, my overreaction was Man City, Tottenham, 1 2? No. Man City won. Everybody else. I'm sorry. Man City won through 4. Everybody else doesn't matter. Man City <laughs> is so much better than everybody else. It is insane how good they are. It's but true. I can't choose them as my team if they win. So I kind of hope everybody on their team dies and then gets resurrected and then they're good next year so I can root for them next yeah. year. You understand? This brings us up to like a a little bit of a good point
1: of discussion. Okay, And, And this is more to Nate and the rules that have been set is like, I understand your rule set that you have for yourself when we are getting into this and accepted that, but like how fair is it to put your rules that you put on yourself onto our neophytes that come in? I feel like if they want to be a D bag and select the team that actually wins it all then let them do it and let them face the scorn of everyone just making fun of them i for agree just going with but, the front. I,
2: I agree 100 with chris but i probably won't choose them but i still agree that you should let me vote how i want but still man city is so good can you fault me for being new at soccer and being impressed by man city nate they no. are no so- I'm, in, I'm impressed
0: with Man City too they are remarkable and they are so much fun to watch but I hate them Sorry. you can you can submit a request to the governing board to change the rules for season 6 but Andy entered in under the current collective bargaining <laughs> agreement which means the number 1 team and the bottom teams you can't choose that's I can
2: I can't are choose Man City
0: rules to
2: it, it,
1: it, and it is fair, because I entered into a much more strict rule you set. Did, when I did, sure. Um, because had, had my book been opened, who knows where I would have gone.
2: You'd be an Arsenal fan? No, definitely not. I've hated oh, it I'd be State Wolves.
1: <laughs> we both might have chosen Wolves. No, I definitely want to go on Wolves. I, I might be a Man City fan, in all honesty. Yeah they didn't win it that year. Right. You're Liverpool.
0: Right. 18, 19. Yeah. So, All right. Well, let's jump. We need to, we need to jump to this fight. We need to move on to the Royal rumble, which is going to take some time.
2: Uh, <laughs> how much fun was that fight? How much fun was that fight? That fight started in the 62nd minute when Conti responded a little too vociferously to the, uh, the equalizer, um, and, like, he mimicked uh, Toy, tu- Tuchel? Tuchel. He mimicked Tuchel. No, it wasn't even Tuchel. He was mimicking. It was the guy who scored the goal to to go ahead on Chelsea. Um, and then, uh, honestly, I swear to God, uh, Tottenham looked like shit for, like, the first 10 minutes immediately after they uh, tied it up. And then then they started playing aggressive and they looked like the Tottenham I watched last week. And I was like, there we go, boys, we got it back. And then there was the non call on Cucurello or whatever his name is. Again, I don't want to say, I feel bad by saying his name wrong. I just don't know his name yet. He's really good. He's really good. They he's just signed him. Really good. He used to be on Brighton, the team you didn't want to talk about earlier. They just signed Yeah, but, in Brighton. Yeah. He got a big contract and so far he's worth every penny. He's really good. I he's doubt good. he's listening to our podcast. But, sir... I mean, well, he wants was to
0: mispronounce his name like three times. Then he tried oh,
2: sorry. Uh, by the way, Neophyte Soccer brought to you by FanDuel. Is that correct? Is that <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Soccer Neophyte. I got our podcast name wrong. Oh, that's a bad look. That's We can right. cut it anyway.
1: Yeah. It's okay. I do it all the time.
2: Okay. Um, anyway. Yeah, no. And then... So, the fight happened because after uh the 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 equalizing goal with literally 30 seconds left harry kane nice job pal he's the is he the captain of the uh english national team yes because he's like 35 i don't think he's that old but he's getting up there i was gonna say 35 is old by soccer terms 32 is old by soccer terms i turned 42 in a couple of months and um the fact that thirty-two is old really hurts my feelings. Anyway, he scores the equalizer thirty seconds before end of the match. Kane's uh, only old. twenty-nine. He's only twenty-nine. 29. Looks way older because it looks like he has hair plugs. Yeah, he also looks way older because everybody else is nineteen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he's because we talked about this a few years ago. I thought he was thirty-five a few years ago. I was like, wait, he's twenty-seven. Yeah. But yeah, he's 29 right
2: now. And I'm not saying that guy absorbs bruises and marks on his face harder than everybody else, but it looked like he was wearing a red headband for, like, the second half because <laughs> he kept taking headers off his – you know what I mean? He's got a large forehead. Sorry, dude. Harry Kane, if I ever meet you, big fan. But you got a big – I have a big forehead too, Harry Kane. Deal with it. Y'all do. Um, Y'all do. And it seems – the ball seems to keep hitting you in the exact same spot every single time, and you got marks way over your head. Anyway – um, he looks older. Big fan, Harry Kane. I'm way older than you, and I wish I was as healthy as you look. Anyway, um, match ends. get hey, yeah, hair plugs like him. You know what? I don't need your advice on hair, <laughs> sir. Um, so Tuchel, <laughs> Tuchel shakes uh, Conti's hand and won't let go. And Conti, who is a good six inches shorter than him, suddenly turns into Napoleon Bonaparte and is like, "You want to dance, bro? You sent the you sent the text." Man, they had to be separated. My favorite part was the Premier League announcers, like pointing out all the facts, like, uh, yeah, Conti used to manage that guy and that guy and that guy. And those guys were all up in his face pushing Conti away. And Conti, they did a before and after on Twitter of Conti, like, hugging those guys and then showing him, like, fighting with him. It was beautiful. That's awesome. Um, great fight, great argument. Great post-game press conference, start to finish. I mean, I think, I, I forget what time the match started. It was over three hours later, much longer than ever, if you include the post-game press conferences. Um, just, it, it, it was everything you want on a Sunday morning. It was so great. I, I loved every second of it. Your, your thoughts on the match, Nate and Chris, or the fight specifically, or both?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this is what's exciting about soccer. You have two excellent teams going head to head and a a last second equalizer. It can happen at any time. And I, I got, I had a lunch meeting this week and the guy I was talking to was like, there's only three things and we don't know each other very well. We get together for lunch once or twice a year. Maybe he's like, there's three things I hate cycling, soccer, and country music. I was like, Oh, well, let's talk about soccer. And he went off on all the normal, like American reasons to hate soccer. And I just said, do you, do you watch hockey? He's like, yeah, I like, I like hockey. Okay. I don't really watch hockey, but playoff hockey is, is somewhat interesting, but playoff overtime hockey, there's nothing like it. It is so exciting because it can end instantaneously. And I told him, I said, that is what soccer is like for 90 minutes because the goals are so con- consequential that you're always, anything can happen at any moment. And so that kind of intensity, that, that interest. And I think the match today, the Liverpool crystal palace match was a perfect example of that Liverpool Liverpool was dominating. And then in a second counterattack by crystal palace and they're up one nil. And so I just think that's one of the things that makes soccer so exciting. And you got to experience all of that, you know, a back and forth, two different types of equalizers. So excellent, excellent match, really fun. And then, and then the intensity, that's an added bonus that doesn't happen every match.
2: Literally at the moment, I just want to bring this up, Nate, literally at the moment when um, Crystal Palace scored, I'm looking at the stats right now in the 33rd minute uh, Liverpool had a possession, um, uh, uh, 74% possession to Crystal Palace's 26. They had uh, 11 shots, two on goal. Um, Crystal Palace had zero. Yep. Uh, two seconds later, uh, Liverpool had 76% uh, possession. Uh, Crystal Palace had two shots on goal, two shots total, and they and they took the lead. The fact that uh, Crystal Palace had three fouls, um, they were offsides, uh, they – like Liverpool dominated every aspect of the match for the first 35 minutes of the game, and Crystal Palace had one good shot and they took the lead. Totally, uh, it drives me nuts. Um, God, yeah. it was that was a good match too, but they everybody lost their composure at the end because it was are Crystal Palace and Liverpool natural rivals? No, they no, aren't, just- right?
0: It was just heated. It was just a heated battle, but we will jump back to that. I want to stick with our managers because last week we had Bruno Lodge and Jesse Marsh get into it on the sidelines and back to back. It is a bit abnormal to have back to back manager scuffles or intensity. And so it led me to think who would win in a 20 manager Premier League Royal Rumble. And who naturally to guide us through that discussion, then uh, Chris Smith, resident WWE expert.
1: I don't know if I'd say WWE expert. I'm, I'm resident fight expert is probably a little bit more along those lines. Former WWE fan, still checks in every so often, but um yeah, there's, there's a couple aspects here because the Royal Rumble, the Battle Royale is a wrestling promotion of everything's predetermined. So if we were going by Royal Rumble standards, um, you, you know that the winner would be either Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp because that's just how they would write the story. But we're not. I approached this from the UOC standpoint. And here's what I looked at. Here's what mattered to me. Where they were born... So, countries they were born, where they were.
2: Living. <laughs> oh, wait, hold up, just to clarify, there's certain countries that are tougher than others, for sure, for okay. sure, sure. Okay. Um, their age, current age.
1: What position they played, when they played, if they were most of these guys were were forward players. There's a, there's a, only a handful that weren't. Um, their height. I couldn't find their weight data. Um, so I'm a little sad that I couldn't get height and weight, but I got their heights. Um their looks, just how tough do they actually look? I rated that on a scale of one to 10 and that factored in. And then the last is I just was reading up on all of these guys. And so I have kind of random notes of things I liked and things I didn't like, like um, Scott Parker was the 2010 player of the year, but according to the football writers association of America or not of America, football writers association, I had no idea he was a a player and be that good um and if you're wondering who scott parker is he's the manager of bournemouth i don't know if i could have named that this morning when we first started this day so he's the former um, manager of fulham right he's the pretty boy yes um so all all those things kind of factored in so the question is i mean the middle range of guys like who really cares right like so here's here's My honest assessment, I approached it from if these guys were locked in a cage fighting each other. I think this is how the rankings would actually play out in a fight. Love it. My, we'll start at the bottom. All right. My, who I think would not win a cage match against anybody else in the EPL is Thomas Kugel. I don't see any way he wins any fight against any of these guys. He's uh, 48 years old. He's 6'3", so I'm giving him, he has really good height. That's about his only advantage he has. Um, His looks on toughness were just a one. He just doesn't look tough. He doesn't look cool. He doesn't look like he could fight to save his life. The other thing about him that I found interesting is that he had to retire from soccer at the age of 25 because he has a chronic knee issue. Well, you can't take that into the cage. You're going to get destroyed in a fight with that chronic knee issue. So Thomas Tugel, I apologize. This is nothing personal. This is just the assessment. Okay. So Thomas is at 20. I'll give a quick rundown of people who then come in behind him. Uh, David Moyes comes in 19 mostly because he's way too old. Um, Sorry, Nate. Bruno Lodge comes in at 17. Nothing tough about him.
0: I wouldn't put Bruno Lodge very high.
1: Yeah, seems like a great guy, but he's going to lose almost every fight he's in. Uh, Ralph, uh, I'm going to butcher this. Oh, anyway. Andrew, yeah, I'm going to need you on this one. No,
0: Hasenhutl.
1: Yeah, uh, so Ralph Hassenhutel at Southampton, uh, a little too old as well. Also, How old doesn't is he? Look- he is 55. So yeah. he's on the yeah. older end of the scale. Um, then we get into our, our battle. Antonio Conte comes in next the only reason I have Antonio Conte even this high is he is super saucy yeah and that handshake probably saved him a couple spots and then the fact that he took to Instagram after that and was basically throwing down the law you knew he was down to scrap and that means a lot but Antonio Conte's downfalls he's 53 years old he's short he's only five nine and he doesn't and he's not just doesn't bring any sort of looks of toughness to him at all i'm just gonna interject
0: really quick i only i only judged two people who i thought the final two in the match would be and conte (laughs) is my number two because he's five nine i think he would just go around he would he would be the one to take out the guy uh, whoever had the bad knee Tuchel. well he would for sure go for tuchel first he's short and scrappy Oh man, I think I think you're sleeping on Conte, but I'll let you keep going. Oh, no. I just want to say he was my number two. I appreciate that.
1: And and again, if this were a WWE Royal Rumble, sure. He would, I'm sure they could write him into the end. And then you know the screw job would come out and he would get screwed. Uh, in a UFC cage. Also he's Italian. Getting- and you can't sleep on Italians, bro. Yeah, but he's getting murdered in the cage because he's 53 years old and he's five foot nine.
2: Listen. Can I interject real quick?
1: Yeah, please do. Please do.
2: It's the deal. I don't know any of these managers, except what I've seen in the last two weeks. And I'm going to say this. Conti is either going to be the first person to die or the last person to die. (laughs) There's no middle ground. Conti is either going to lay back in the corner and only beat up the guys who are already hurting, or he's going to be like leading the way, stabbing dudes, and like suddenly he has a shank for some reason. Who knows? conti is so insane he went after tuchel so rough. dude i was like he basically he was like the buddha baker arizona cardinals football player of throwing his body at a dude and being like well let's see what happens afterwards
0: and do you was, know why why because tuchel didn't look him in the eye when they shook hands he that's a that's a, that's a level of insanity that gets him top two
2: but. Well, also, Tuchel wouldn't let go of his hand. Tuchel started it, and Conti's like, oh, this ain't over. Okay. Conti, I was like, good on you, pal. That's all I'm saying. Nice job, Quanti. All right, but Chris, this is all your right. show. Let, Keep rolling. He's also very tiny. I just want to emphasize how tiny Right. Very and, tiny.
1: and so here's what I will say about, about all of that, and the dust up between those two, is we're essentially talking about the weakest guy on the list going, of course, Conte is going to kind of have his own way. That's the weakest player in the game. So, you know, Tuchel coming up, looking at the ground, sticking his hand out, not letting go. That was, that, that's not a good look. That's not, you know, you're not going to win a fight like that. So anyways, um, I'm not getting wrapped up in how Conte responded to the weakest guy in the 20-man list. I'm just calling it how it actually is. Now, this next one might be a little controversial because he's young. He's actually, I think, the youngest manager in the Premier League. Uh, Arteta comes in next, just barely above Conte. And it's because uh, he just kind of looks like a pussy, to be honest with you. And so, you know, that's a big deal for me um all right now the next few guys no one really cares about marco silva eddie howe patrick vieira those guys all check in and now is when we start getting
0: no no patrick vieira wins this thing he is the biggest he's one of the youngest he's was an excellent football player like excellent football player that means he's an athlete that is your winner so Patrick Vieira is the one who wins this by the way so i'll let you keep going but that's, no, that's
1: cool. cool it's cool like it's cool but you're wrong so patrick patrick Vieira is not one of the youngest he's actually in the middle of the group he's 46 years old he is 6'4 so he's one of the taller guys in this battle um i didn't oh, hold it against him tallest. that he
0: was he's the tallest
1: uh
2: he's um, the tallest
0: believe me my research was simply based on their right. height and they're actually you're right ability. he is the you're tallest right. in the list he, he is, is the tallest the I, bet, I, know you couldn't find over, I bet over oh, guys I know you couldn't have found weight but he's also one of the heaviest he is he's a big boy my final my final was actually him bear hugging
1: Comte until he passed out that was how he wins I like it but here's the thing I'm the fight expert you're not and so uh, the fact that Vieira is from France is a huge downfall for his ability to fight. Um, anyways, moving on. Frank Lampard. Actually, I think he's actually like Camer-
0: Cameroonian, but he's lived from France. in France. Yeah, yeah but lived in France. born in France.
1: But, okay. According to the stats that I pulled up on the English Premier League website, it said born in France. So that could be wrong um anyways next up frank lampard now i'm sure people probably thought he would be higher he is on the younger side he's 44 years old he's six foot he doesn't look that tough in fact it looks like he's been drinking a lot lately because he's kind of got a beer belly going from his playing days but this was my Viera, favorite thing. I, just, I have to throw this out there Vieira born in senegal he's not cameroonian yeah. he's born
0: in senegal so maybe he has french nationality but right. i just if that affects your it's not,
1: not changing anything not changing anything. You way overrated him just because he's big. Um, but here, okay, you derailed my Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard, only forty-four years old, a middle fielder, six foot. Doesn't look that tough. But <laughs> this is my favorite Frank Lampard thing that I found in my research. He once got into a fight or a tussle with his own teammate in the middle of a match over who was going to take a penalty kick. He was. Uh, he was West Ham's penalty taker and i can't remember the guy he was kind of tussling with they both wanted to take it frank lampart lost that tussle with his teammate his teammate took the pk and scored guess what frank that's a bad look you're not winning a fight in the cage with that kind of an attitude so that brings us to kind of the big guns now we're starting to get towards our top 10 Um, next up after lampart is jurgen klopp jurgen you're older, you're bigger, but you're a bitch and you whine and you cry all the time and that's going to hurt That hurt your ranking. Next, we've got Pep, Pep Guardiola. I think I probably would have put him a little bit higher had he been a little bit younger, um, but being 51 years old, 5'11 on the smaller side, not a great thing. Uh, as I licked up his player information, one of the notes from other people was that he wasn't a physical player at all. He relied on his skill and quickness. Um, so dropped him down in the fighter rankings. Next is Thomas Frank. And this was one of the hardest ones for me to place because he kind of looks crazy, but he's also kind of older. Um, he's almost 50, he's 48 don't know his height. I couldn't find his height anywhere. I searched everywhere. Couldn't find it. He doesn't look tough at all. He never played as a pro. So he has, you know, limited amateur experience as a soccer player. So he was a tough one to place, but that's where he ended up. I think we're into our tops. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. All right. So top seven looks like this. Steven Gerrard. Younger, 42, very tough player, was a midfielder, six foot, doesn't look tough. He's kind of a good looking guy. but he was a great player. He was injured a lot, but he had a ton of comebacks. He never let him set him back. I liked it. I watched the Gerard um, documentary on him and there's a lot to like there. Then I've got Eric Ten Hag from Manchester United. He's on the older side. He's 52, so he's a little bit in the older crowd, but he was a center back, six foot. He looks tough and rugged. Um, There's a lot to like there, and I like how he yells at players during the matches. So that brings us to top five. One, two, three, four, five. Top five looks like Brendan Rodgers. The only thing that kept Brandon Rogers a little bit lower on this out of the top five is he retired at the age of 20 because of a genetic knee condition as well. Everything else about him would have been a great fighter. Um, then we've got Graham Old, Potter, Northern Irish, that Northern yes. Irish that. Helped. Yes. Yes. That's why he was that high. Then we've got Graham Potter, um, the Brighton coach. And the top three shook out and I, I could have gone either way. This is what was really hard for me to figure out. So top three, Scott, or sorry, Steve Cooper came in at third at Nottingham Forest. He is everything I want in a drunk fighter. Um, he very clearly looks like a man who likes his alcohol and um being from wales and liking alcohol is just a good combination he looks tough he looks like he's not afraid to fight he looks like he's probably gotten his face kicked in a couple times but that's cool uh number two came to scott parker at bournemouth uh younger midfielder a little on the shorter side of five nine but he looks tough and he was a really good player and to be a really good player in the midfield usually you're a pretty tough guy And that brought me to number one. It had nothing to do with where he was born, unless it did. uh, Jesse Marsh from Leeds United. And here's why. This was my tiebreaker. I had these top three kind of very close. This was my tiebreaker. To be an American, to go to Germany and be a coach in the Bundesliga, and then to succeed there, and then go to England and be successful at Leeds right now, you have to have some of the thickest skin that's ever been put on any American soccer player, because you know that guy has been trashed by everybody at every stop along the way. And he doesn't stop. He keeps going. So that's where I landed. I think the toughness of traveling through Germany and over into England gives him the knot. I would take him in a fight over all these guys. Wow. Wow. The Graham Potter Potter
0: one. I think that is he he is. I think that's one of the worst takes of all. I would probably have him at twenty. That guy looks like a. He looks like a like a middle school math professor.
1: <laughs> I, hang on, I got him. Pull. I got to pull it up. He looks like. I, actually, a... I have all of these guys. Uh, sorry, hang on.
0: I can't wait I have... to hear Stu's response and some of the other uh, Wolves fan cast guys because uh, they, they. Uh, They'll have some they'll have some good thoughts for sure. I'm in on that.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Graham Potter a part of that is the picture that he has posted as his coaching profile on the EPL is pretty solid. He looks like he's drunk in that picture and ready to fight. He does,
0: but the, the other pictures look like he's half asleep and maybe I didn't look at those coaching, coaching. <laughs>
1: I took yeah. everything off the EPL side except for the three newer coaches who aren't up there yet. So
0: All right. Well, that, that was, that was fun, even though I wholeheartedly disagree, but that's okay.
1: You're allowed to be wrong. There's no problem with that.
0: Totally. The question is, is Manchester United the new Everton? So obviously that's, that's a bit tongue in cheek, but, uh, but the question remains and Chris, I know you probably don't want to spend a ton of time in this, but that, that United Brentford match I was doing yard work. I had the game on in the house. I'd kind of come in and out when my boys were supposed to be helping, but Titus would like sneak in to watch. And he's like, "It's one nil Brentford." And then a couple, like, well, three minutes later, it's two nil Brentford. It's three nil Brentford. So uh, we've obviously been talking offline about this, Chris. But what in the world? Yeah, United yeah, is not no, going to get rele- United is not going to get relegated. But I man, mean,
1: what it was... I look! I don't want them to and I'm pretty sure I'm sticking with them as a, as a fan, <laughs> but it kind of would be amazing if they got relegated. I'm not gonna lie about that. Um, I don't, are they the new Everton? Like, are they gonna finish in 17th place and barely escape relegation? Is that the question? i sure maybe it's possible. Um, I just – I, I, we kind of – we talked about this a little bit offline, but I sent you guys a couple of pictures. The starting lineup from this past weekend and a starting lineup from a match that they should have won last year. And it was almost an identical lineup. And I don't know I, – why I feel like people are overreacting to 4 nothing at Brentford is because, one, it's just Man, Man United's name, right? It carries a lot. It's like when the Yankees suck for a few years, like you just – it was weird to see them sucking and not playing well and being in last place, right? But their roster was terrible. And that's where United is right now. It's like they're running the same guys out there who finished the worst season in Man United history. And people are expecting a different result because they have a different manager. And I know tactics can play into it, but the guys have to play. And like, how, how many years have I been saying it? Like, Fred is not a starting caliber player. Scott McTominay is not a starting caliber player. Diego Delo, it's not a starting caliber player. So you have a lot of guys, there's a lot of holes on that team. They have talent. It's not like they don't have talent. Like, I don't know what's going on with Marcus Rashford. Jaden Sancho hasn't been that good since he came over from Bundesliga. Um, Ronaldo is supposedly a huge problem in the locker room because no one is willing to approach him and they just kind of do whatever because of his status as who he is. So I don't know why people are surprised by what is going on. This is the same team I saw last year that was so depressing and so not fun to watch. And, and I don't, that's why I say people are overreacting. Like if it weren't Manchester United, if they were just West Ham struggling, it'd be like, oh yeah. Well, what did you expect? Like this roster's not that great. So I think people are overreacting just because of the name. But if you actually look at the roster breakdown, it's all the same guys. They only brought two new guys in. I know they're trying to finish up some signings, but I mean, there was a two player difference between the starting lineups from one game to another. Yeah. They're going to struggle because they don't play well together. And that's been a fact for a while. So Andy and Andrew, I know you want to jump in. I'm sure you have a lot to say. So go for it.
2: I have a couple of comments. Um, I know I'm the new guy, and I know that I don't know as much about you about it as you do. Um, but watching the man you game, it felt like a bunch of dudes who literally had just met like four minutes before the match started. They did not; they were not in sync at all. There was a moment um, where <clears throat> I forget who it was who was injured, and they had the medical staff out. The medical <laughs> staff brought their bags out, and Ronaldo. Like, he kind of half-heartedly checks on the guy who was injured, steps over him, reaches into the medical guy's bag, grabs a water, and then drinks it while standing next to his teammate who is injured without actually checking on him. So, um, I guess I have a couple questions. One, what is the equivalent of Man U getting regulated Relegated. Sorry, I got to get used to saying the word because it's still um, not a word I use on a regular basis. What is the American equivalent of a man you getting relegated? So, the Yankees being sent down to Triple A.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's tough because we don't have that system in America. Sure. So, like, if we had that system, yeah, it would be like the Red Sox or the Yankees or you not know, the Red Sox. The they would that would the never have a- <laughs> Right. It would be like you know any of those big clubs that you're used to always kind of dominating or always being able to buy their way into better players. It'd be like any of them finishing in last. And so, yeah, I
2: mean, that's, that's pretty good comparison. I uh, would like to say that the second half of that game match, sorry, match uh, felt like uh, when the Lakers were down in an elimination game against the Suns <laughs> and everybody quit on the team and they're like, Hey, we're down four nil what's the point of even playing and like as soon as they were down two nil it felt like it was over when they were down like four nil it felt like why are they even playing the second half of this um yeah. and watching the match i didn't even bother watching it after i think the 60th minute because what was the point everybody had quit so uh, i i it, i mean i taught i i hear Soccer fans talk about, you know, playing for, you know, the emblem on your on your kit, you know, playing for the fans, playing for whomever. Um, and that absolutely did not happen um, at any point after the 30th minute of that match.
1: Yeah. And, and you're not wrong. And I'm not going to disagree with anything you said. In fact, you know how you said these look like a bunch of guys who just met five minutes before the match started. I mean, you're right. That's how they play. And but that's how they've played for the last year. Um, I'm also not going to overreact to how poor they are right now. I do hope that, that they can finish out a couple of these transfers that they're talking about and hopefully bring in some quality midfielders who can actually play at a high level. Um, but at, you know, at this point a, a year ago, and even, you know, two months into the season, Manchester United was sitting atop the table in first place all by themselves and then it was a harsh harsh downward spiral for them and to me they're just still in that spiral so i don't know what people are watching i think the bigger issue and this is kind of where like things start to get a little bit hazy for me is the ownership it's it's been super fun and kind of a joke to say like blazers out as we end a bunch of these podcasts um, but like, I spent a lot of time reading up on them and how they purchased the club and what they've been doing with the club. And it's a legitimate problem. And I think if I would have been more knowledgeable when I was picking, I don't know if I would have tra- you know, st- put my trailer to this horse, um, in, in like a smallest of, of, I know we need to move on in the smallest of like capsules of this. When they bought the team, they borrowed $600 million to purchase the team. So they borrowed that money they did the purchase, and then they saddled that 600 million personal debt of the Glazers onto the club. And they haven't paid that debt down at all. So that $600 million that they borrowed 18 years ago is still sitting in debt on the club. And financial experts project it's cost the club at least $1.5 billion in abilities to spend on players. And not only have they just saddled the club with that and not paid it down, The Glazers are the only Premier League owners that have been withdrawing money from the club as well. So about two months ago, they withdrew $11 million from the club to pay themselves for owning the team. So they're paying themselves $11 million over the summer when they've saddled the team with this massive debt that they can't get out of because they're just withdrawing any of the funds as they come by. That's a fundamental problem. You have, I know... We, we shouldn't talk about Abramovich and how he owns Chelsea. I mean, I know all that stuff. But, you know, that ownership style is, is what creates the winners. It's kind of how things were run in the past. And so, you know, you had owners who didn't care about making money. They wanted to have a championship football team. And the Glazers are not that. And they don't care how this team finishes. They own one of the three to four biggest clubs in the world right now. And they're making money on it without paying off any debt. And so they're lining their own pockets and that's a big issue. And, you know, I I mean, we could go, there's so much more, but like from a high level, like that's a huge issue. And until they sell, I don't know if this club gets better because they have a bunch of yes, men working for them who aren't making the team better. Yeah.
0: Well, the other team that needs to be a little worried and, our, our co host Tim texted it earlier, basically saying that uh, Liverpool is done. <laughs> they can't be dropping four points to uh, Fulham and Crystal Palace. And so Liverpool with two draws to start off the season, not what we're used to seeing with Liverpool, um, but uh, very, very interesting game. Uh, they're obviously excellent and they uh, dominated most of that match. And we have already kind of referenced that a little bit with the, the counter-attack goal. And even interesting that once they went down to 10 men was, was, seemed to get them fired up again and, and get them back in the game. But, uh, yeah, Liverpool has, has definitely gotta be, gotta be worried.
1: I, I almost texted you guys. I can't wait for Jurgen's post-game press conference where he blames the ref for not giving a red card earlier.
0: totally gosh that's funny or the pitch was too wet or too dry
1: (laughs) right uh
0: but that leads to one of our favorite segments which i thought we were maybe not going to have it and that is (laughs) nunez nunez uh really exciting dynamic new player for for liverpool uh, getting the straight red for a headbutt to the face, um, not too, not too much different than, than what Mitrovich did to Morgan Gibbs white in the wolves match. But, um, but enough contact, enough extra contact, I think maybe cause Nunez was smaller. I don't know if he just goes head to head with him. If they just kind of put their foreheads together, like Mitrovich and Morgan Gibbs white, he might not get the red card but the fact that he puts his forehead into his teeth uh that's that's a red
1: a hundred percent and I agree with the red it kind of goes back to like I always kind of think everyone's a little bit soft in soccer and so but a hundred percent if they're the same height that that doesn't end up being a red card because he essentially kind of just turns around and leans in and every soccer player sells everything so I think there is a sale job going on there but you know we kind of learned I, I at least for me i learned my lesson when anthony marshall taps on the head like that and i think it was rich arlison just fell down and oh. held his head he got a red card um but yeah i mean there's a there's embellishment going on there but if they're the same height and they're just forehead to forehead i don't think that that happens yeah
0: and we should also say that tuchel and conte conte both got red cards as well Okay. Okay, So Andy, you, you sent us a text earlier once Nunez got the red card, you were asking, so do they only play with 10 men coming out?
2: Yeah. So so, no, you're right. I guess, um, I guess the more, you know, question that I want to know is if you get a red card, you're not only are you out for the game, but you're down a man for the match. Yes. um, Sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. So, so there's multiple ways that can happen. So you can receive a straight red, which is what Nunez received. You can also have two yellows, two yellows equal a red. So in fact, like our red card of the year that we gave last year, we gave to Raul Jimenez because he got two yellow cards in like 60 seconds. It was like lunacy. And so, So either a red card or two yellows. So you'll see that sometimes in a match when someone has one yellow and maybe they've been getting a little physical, they'll often get subbed out because they don't want them to pick up a second yellow to then get sent off. And then they have to play a man down. So, yeah, so you could see games and I, I don't remember if it happened last year, but within the last couple of years, it's, we've even seen teams go down to nine men where there've been two red cards given to the same team. So it's, wholly possible that that happens
2: so then when Tuchel and Conti got their red cards at the end of the match do their red cards count towards the current match even though it was already over um I know that when managers get a red card it's longer than one game I know if you if you get one for a so if you're a player and you get one you're out for the next match right are you out for the full match or are you out for the next match too
0: so you're out for that match Uh uh-huh then you're out for sure for one other match but it depends on why you got the red card so they they have something called like a professional foul so if if a player's running and they've got a breakaway with the ball and they're like going to have a one-on-one with the keeper and you grab them and pull them back that's a red card and that's considered a professional foul you only get one match banned Or if you get two yellows, it's only one match bound. So you get kicked out of the match you're in, and then you can't play in the next one. But if you get a straight red for uh, dissent, it'll be a two match ban. And if you get a dangerous tackle or violent conduct, that's three match ban. So Nunez will probably get three matches for this. What about a red card on a handball? That would probably be considered a professional foul, so probably only one, only okay. one. And, and, then, and then, the men, there's, then there's cumulative yellows throughout the season.
2: Is so that if, like getting 17 technical fouls in the NBA and then all of a sudden you don't? you Yes, don't, gotcha.
0: yes. so five, five yellows, you miss one match. If you get 10 yellows, it's a two-match ban, And 15 yellows gives you a three match ban. And there's a joke that guys will often like pick up their fifth yellow card right around Christmas time. So they won't have to play like on Boxing Day, which is (laughs) like a traditional uh, soccer match day. No, Chris, tell us, tell us about managers. So what happens to Tuchel and,
1: and Conte? Okay. So there's a few different informations out there. Obviously, every league is a little different on how they do it. What I found on the Premier League, when the manager receives a red card, they do receive a one-game touchline ban as well that goes with that red card. This this is what I actually like the most, is that they can be issued yellow cards as well, and they accumulate much like the players do, but they equate differently. So four yellow cards in the course of a season is a touchline ban. Eight yellow cards is two match ban. And if you rack up 16 yellow cards, you have to go to the FA misconduct hearing. I don't know what they do at that hearing, but they do.
0: Yeah, they do that if you get 20 yellows for a player. I didn't mention it because I didn't think it was necessarily worth mentioning. But yeah, it's the same same type of deal. So, well, now you know, Andrew.
1: Now we know.
0: And knowing is half the battle. let's, let's move on. Uh, American watch. Uh, a couple, couple things to note Pulisic. He is not playing much. It's very brutal for him in a world cup year and really bad for us men's national team. So if there's some rumors that he might be going to Newcastle, um, I don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, but, I think if Chelsea's not going to play him, Pulisic needs to leave. Uh, Chris Richards made his debut today for Crystal Palace. uh, And I thought he played pretty well. He won a couple aerials at the end of the match when Liverpool was pressing. So that was good. And then, Chris, this is going to come at probably quite a shock to you and to our listeners. But Tim Ream played an excellent match of football and apparently it's two matches in a row because obviously they played Liverpool, but he's wearing the captain's armband and he has looked really solid in the back for Fulham. Anthony Robinson looked well, looked good as well. And so uh, very, very impressive by, by our Americans this week.
1: And good on Tim for growing, right? He was terrible a couple of years ago when they were up, And now it's looking like he's playing. I think he got man of the match in that first one, if I remember right, too. He might have, yeah, yeah. Uh, How great would Pulisic be at United, though? Like, there are rumors, not that he's coming to United, but there are rumors that Atletico Madrid has made the first bid to get Cristiano Ronaldo out of United. And if United is smart, they will sell him at whatever. Cost they can get for him? Who cares? Just take him, pay his wages. Um, but they need someone up front. I feel like not just my United States fandom wants him there, but the people of Manchester United want him there too. But
0: Pulisic's not a true striker, so that's where you're you're yeah. probably missing out a little bit. He doesn't really fit that that spot exactly, you know. So I would just do anything for a playmaker up front. Totally. Well, let's look at hair watch. We didn't do any hair watch last week, but there is some hair that we are not used to seeing, especially on a hot and sunny day. So Chris, can you explain why was Dean Henderson not
1: wearing a hat on, on Saturday? I cannot explain it. It was a little dumbfounding to myself because uh, we all love the cap when he puts it on. Um but kudos to Dean Henderson, who has more wins than Manchester United this season. So. He does.
0: And his yeah. hair actually, his hair looked really good. And I actually, that was part of my thought is, I wonder if he like got a new do and he wanted to show it off. It looks pretty he nice.
1: Look, Dean Henderson's not a bad looking guy. No. He's a pretty, Yeah, he's a good yeah. looking dude. He should be showing that hair off. As long as you got a fresh cut, you're good.
0: But we like the, we like the keeper hats so. Dean, bring it back, bring it back. Especially because the keeper hat always had like a little bit of a longer bill than it needed to (laughs) have. It's a ridiculous hat. It's a ridiculous, (laughs) it's such a bad hat. (laughs) Such a bad hat. Well, let's talk top goals. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any uh, locked and loaded. Well, I, I had two that really stood out to me. Uh, The Koulibaly goal for, for Chelsea on the volley he uh, he's one of their new players. I think it was coming off of a corner and he just, the timing was perfect. He's a defender. So it's not even really expected to score that type of strike. I thought it was beautiful. And then the De Bruyne goal that he scored where he juked a couple of times and then, but really the icing on the cake was kicking it with the outside of his foot to curl it around the keeper and then into the left side of the goal. I just, I thought those were, those were remarkable goals this weekend.
2: Okay. First and foremost, it's De Bruyne, And secondly, that was the best goal of the weekend. Um, He really juked out two different dudes and that was a hell of a shot. And I agree with you. It was absolutely so There's different types of goals, right? You guys like rockets. Who doesn't like rockets? Missiles that keep rising all the way up? Love them. I agree. But De Bruyne's skill, when, oh, it was such a pretty goal. The fact that he made it felt like a, a, it it almost felt like an afterthought. Because the, the, the two or three steps he took to avoid the defenders is what made the goal that better. He didn't even hit it that hard. He just hit it in the perfect spot. It was like uh, Tom Glavine throwing an 89-mile-per-hour, quote-unquote, fastball, and the ump gave him an extra six inches off the plate. Who cares? He put it in the perfect spot. He didn't even hit it that hard. Nate, you're right. It was a beautiful goal, but it was the footwork before the goal that, that made it so special. Big totally. fan of that goal
0: and to get his foot around the ball like he did to kick it with the outside of his foot to then. I mean, it was just, it was beautiful. It was a great, it was, shot. It was a beautiful shot. You're hundred percent right. It was so good. He's great. Well, let's jump to best bet uh, of which I am bleeding uh, dry right now.
2: <laughs> hey, you guys want to talk about who's the only guy who has money in his, uh, in his money. In his yeah,
1: I think we are Chris. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm pulling it up right now. but yeah, Andrew, let's go ahead and start with you because you are the only one that is in the positive. Um, you are like a hundred and twenty dollars up right
2: now. So- and hold up. Well, let's just compare my 120 up compared to everybody else's because 120 up doesn't sound that impressive. But okay.
1: So that means- to everybody else. Tim is at negative 200. Kyle's at negative 200. Nate is at negative 200. And I am at negative 32 dollars
2: thir- or $31.13. So I'm up 200 and like almost $30 or so.
1: You're up uh, $150 on me. And then you're up $320 on everybody else. Gotcha.
2: Okay. I'm taking uh, Chelsea over Leeds. Um, Chelsea is. Wow. Remember last week when I talked about how much I didn't enjoy watching Chelsea? (laughs) I've gained so much respect for Chelsea. Um, Not only are they really, really, really good defensively, they know how to dominate a game. They know how to just shut other people down. And I don't think Leeds is that good. So I'm taking Chelsea over Leeds. Chelsea's on the road. And uh, that's going to be an easy win. It's going to be another layup. I feel like when I'm playing poker, when I have the chip lead over somebody else and I can take the easy bets, uh, I, I, I don't have to force anything right now for the rest of the season. Because I'm like, you know, so much better than you guys at gambling. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to I don't have to take any risks. I don't have to take any long shots. Yeah. So I'm going to take the easy layup again. But this one's a good, it's not even a reach. It's just a good payout because Chelsea's on the road. Chelsea over Leeds. I'm going to make like 75 bucks on this.
1: You're going to make $52.63 if, if Chelsea wins.
2: And <laughs> you guys are going to go for the long shots to try and win like 300 bucks. And it'll be a draw. You'll get nothing. It's fine. Taking Chelsea over Leeds. I'm going to make 52 bucks and I'm going to be fine with it. Well, we are
1: going to hit on Tim real quick. Tim's pick of the week this may surprise everyone who's been tracking he's taking Liverpool over Manchester United uh, Liverpool's a minus 180 favorite meaning he can make 55 dollars on that one that feels like a layup as well for you but <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can lock this in that Tim is just going to take Liverpool's line every week so kudos to to Tim now um, Nate why don't you go ahead and let us know your pick yeah you
0: know it's my soccer betting in real life hasn't gone very well uh recently, but so I kind of waffled back and forth on numerous picks. But when I saw Brentford and Fulham, that match just feels like a draw. I just can't imagine I like there's no part in my mind that feels like one of those teams is going to beat the other one. And so the it was plus 230. It would get me back on the positive. So i I pick. Brentford Fulham draw.
1: Not bad. You win it. It's 230 more in your pocket. So that would be nice. Uh, and that brings us to myself and Kyle. We're actually uh, doubling up on this one. I really like these odds. I wanted to pick something else. Kyle put it in the chat first, but I'm tailing it. Um, we're both taking Nottingham Forest over Everton this weekend. Nottingham Forest is a plus 300 underdog, meaning that a $100 bet pays $300. And I'm just being honest. I think Nottingham Forest is just better than Everton. So if the game weren't at Everton, those odds would be very different. I'm going to take advantage of it
0: while I can. I like it. That's a good. It's good. We are moving on to match of the week, which I am calling the disappointment derby. Manchester United and Liverpool, the two most disappointing teams so far this season facing each other. This should be an epic match. It could be an epic match. It's definitely the match traditionally that is the match to watch. Um, But I've, I'm watching it more to see uh, whose season is more aft. I was about to say this this is
1: disappointing.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I just think what, no matter like, literally no matter the outcome, one of these teams is aft after this match. And both, I think actually if they draw, I think both these teams are aft. I think it, it's probably better for one of them to win, whichever one it is. Liverpool to have five points after three matches, United to have zero, or you know, United to have three and beat Liverpool and feel some sense of hope and Liverpool have two after three. Whatever happens, I feel like it. This is a bad place to be for for one of these teams, and maybe both. A draw. If United has one point after three matches and Liverpool has three after three, I mean, that's the most. That will be the that'll be the epitome of the disappointment derby. If they draw,
1: I, I, I'm not going to say you're wrong. It's definitely the disappointment derby. It's pretty great, but it is kind of funny though. Like when you think about it, we're disappointed in Liverpool, who hasn't lost a match yet. You know, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Again, Manchester United was in first place eight weeks into the season last year and they finished in seventh or eighth or whatever. So what you can't, you can't win the league in the first two months, but you can certainly lose the top four. And so- And
0: I think that's the problem for Liverpool, right? Is like, if they don't pick up three points here, I don't see, it's almost impossible for them to win the league. For them to be Champions League, I still fully expect them to be a Champions League team. So it's not right. bad. I think they're going to finish top four. But they have title aspirations. And that's, I think, the bigger. That's why it's a disappointment.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I, I can't see anyone catching City. No. I, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win all 38 matches, but they might. They're going to be the favorite in all 38
0: matches. No doubt. No doubt. Well, your match that you're watching this week is Liverpool, Manchester United, right? Well, let me give you a little bit of information to uh, focus on. They were founded in 1892. Their owner, to your delight, is Fenway Sports Group. You're rolling your eyes, but they are Boston Red Sox-owned club. Uh, They are a top six club. Uh, They're one of the big six. They won the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, which we're going to talk about in an upcoming episode last season. Uh, they last won the title in 19, 20, 2019-2020. 20, they won the Champions League, which we'll also get to at some point, 2018-19. Their second all-time with 19 titles behind United, who has 20 all-time titles. So this is the biggest if not top two biggest clubs in England, in the world, they're one of the biggest. Um, Their stadium is Anfield. It's a very classic stadium uh, in Liverpool. They hold 53,000 people. Their manager, as you've heard us talk about quite a bit, is Jurgen Klopp. Uh, He, for me personally, started off very likable. I my first season first couple of seasons I loved watching him uh I really appreciated him um but has be has grown increasingly less likable as you've heard both Chris and I talk about today players to watch Mosala uh he's traditionally going after the golden boot top goal scorer uh, their keeper is Allison he's one of the top keepers in the league Virgil Van Dyke, one of the best defenders in the league. Uh, he was former Premier League Player of the Season the year they won the title. Uh, Nunez, who's their new signing, you won't be able to watch him <laughs> because he got the red card. And Diaz, who we saw today score that also excellent goal, um, the equalizer. Another guy to keep an eye on: Trent Alexander-Arnold. They're stacked. They've they're they're not quite as deep as City, but but. Talent-wise, they are definitely the second most talented team in the league. The final thing to know about Liverpool is they have this song that they come out to and is probably the most iconic of all the songs called "You'll Never Walk Alone." Uh, It's it's very iconic and it's it's their theme. So if you ever see YNWA. That abbreviation, that is what that stands
1: for. You'll never walk alone. So, And Marcus Mufford released a really cool version of it that you can get on uh, Apple Music or whatever streaming app music service you have.
0: There it is. Chris, anything else you'd add about Liverpool?
1: No. I mean, that's we talk about them a lot, so you probably are going into this with a lot of information you already had. So um, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Hopefully... This is at Old Trafford. Yep. So the good news is that United will not be in those terrible fluorescent lime green grass kits, and your eyes won't burn out from watching that terrible team play.
0: Well, and this is also the walkout uh, match that supposedly uh, people are, are st- the Manchester United fans are staging. So it'll be interesting to see if people actually.
1: Uh, it's not going to happen. It's like that. they should have picked look i mean they should have picked like the match against nottingham forest or something like people are not gonna walk out of the liverpool manchester united match unless it's nine nothing 32 minutes in that could happen then i mean we'll definitely see a walkout
0: gentlemen any last any last thoughts
1: how can there be any more thoughts we've been going for way too long
2: way too long it's been a while. I, I no longer value our friendship. I'm good. All right. Well, you can
0: follow us on Twitter at Soccer You can listen to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Please rate and review us. You can also visit our website soccerneophytes.com. Gentlemen, glazers, glazers out,
1: guys. Good late out.
0: and good night, gentlemen.